programmatic. The third-party cookies. But understand moments and emotions of those users. Shopping each other to be our best. Favor the AVOD services. To increase transparency. And maintain the audiences that they've worked so hard to create. Hey, I'm Karin, Head of Advertiser Partnerships. And I'm Amina, Director of Solutions Consulting at Xander. Welcome back to The Programmatic Life, the podcast that meets the talent behind the ad tech. Cool. So episode four, and we have got a really, really strong one this week. It is Jargon Armageddon, and I think this is going to be a cracker. My funniest story is when I first came into this industry and um, I was about to start this new job, and I got an email from the recruiting team before I joined with a long, long list of acronyms to learn before coming into my new job. And I just thought, what on earth? Yeah, I think, well, if you need an instruction manual to understand it before you get in, there's a problem. Welcome, Paul Gubbins. Amazing. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me in this very flash recording studio. It is amazing. We are still surprised by how how amazing it yeah. is. We're pretty much celebrities at this point, I'd say, you know, aren't we? we? Divas to the max. Episode, episode three or four. This is a, uh, episode four. We're definitely famous by now. <laughs> <laughs> So we're so excited to have you today for the episode Jargon Armageddon. It's quite a mouthful. I don't know how many times I'm going to be able to say that. Um, But the premise behind today's session is really to discuss all of the jargon in the industry. So we thought we'd we'd start with a bit of a game. Um, You might hate us for this game, but (laughs) let's go with it. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) So the premise is... Um, this is the dinner table game. Yes. So you are at a dinner table, dinner mm-hmm. party, yep. and you have invited a whole group of people, you know, different, you know, different ages, different gen, all sorts of people. And you're all going around the table explaining your jobs and your industries, and it comes around to you. And you have to explain your industry without using the following words. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You can't use the words convergence, targeting, audience, party and for fun ctv um and no acronyms okay that's kind of 98 percent of my vocabulary gone <laughs> right there okay. absolutely give it a go uh so i work in an industry um that specializes in targeted advertising um if you're watching Ooh. see we're out already we've got to rewind that and start again i think let's uh, let's go from the top see this is going to be hard right so effectively if you're watching coronation street historically there would have been an ad break Chances are you would have seen a product um, that you wasn't interested in, that wasn't mm-hmm. relevant to you. You may have never played football at any point in your life. You're still going to get served an advert for a pair of Puma football boots. I work in an industry that stops that from happening. So the ads that you get served are relevant to your interests. So it's more likely to be perceived as content rather than annoyance. Cool. Pretty I think yes, a round of applause for that one. And I, I, I failed at the first hurdle, though. <laughs> no, I... Look, I would have failed many times at this. <laughs> but what I would say is it, is it is nice to hear going back to the core concept of advertising, yeah. which is relevant, engaging with the consumer, right? I think we get so stuck in the nuts and bolts of what we do and how Absolutely. the ad gets onto a screen or yeah. wherever it gets placed that we forget about the fact that that is the end user watching Coronation yeah. Street and, and kind of seeing the advert that's relevant to you. It, it's what it's all about, really. Absolutely. I kind of feel like we should have taken the word relevance out, maybe something for next time. <laughs> I don't, do you know what? Relevant is a real word. I think we get stuck in like, what's an industry term and what's a real world term? <laughs> this is and true. like, you know, like convergence. You would never use the word convergence in the pub with your mates, right? No. But you would use relevance. Absolutely. So for me, that's fine. If we can use words more in meetings and stuff where, you know, sometimes it feels like we try and overcomplicate and everyone's trying to 
outdo the other by using very complex terms for something. Yeah. And people can be quite, especially at more junior levels, right, can be quite scared to speak up in that instance because that complexity makes it feel like they don't understand or they, they can't just ask the question, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, and, and younger generations and older generations are used to the, the term relevancy, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're reading Country Living magazine, there are going to be adverts in there that are relevant to the content that you're reading. You're highly unlikely to see an ad for that pair of Puma football boots again. But if you're reading Shoot magazine, probably dating myself now, you are likely to see a relevant ad. So relevancy still fundamentally underpins the strategy that we call kind of planning and buying media. So, you know, we work in an industry full of complexity and acronyms. Firstly, do you, do you think it's complex? And secondly, why do you think that exists? It has historically been a complex ecosystem. Um, the company that I work for, Publica, a CTV ad server, we take great pride in trying to deconstruct the complexities. I think in 2022, there's absolutely no reason why advertisers, agencies, publishers should still be confused by their technology partnerships. So Mm -hmm. that's a given now. I think we've got to the point in time where people expect transparency. They expect terms that understand. That aside, you wouldn't go into the finance industry, the legal industry, the engineering industry, and not be expected to learn the terminology and understand the protocols that, that exist within those big, complex ecosystems. So to answer that question, um, it is very complex and you should be working with technology partners that deconstruct those complexities so you can truly understand what's happening, you know, how your partnerships um, work, how your tech vendors make their money, what happens with your data, what happens with your relationships with your consumers. But then on the other part, if you are working in digital advertising, um, you should be upskilling, you should be asking your employer for training, you should be trying to better understand the ecosystem because there's no escape in the fact that the advertising ecosystem today is very different from what it was 25, 30 years ago. It's predominantly now underpinned by technology and data. So you have to understand how those key components work if you truly want to excel in this in this industry. Um, so t- two, two answers to that question. It's better training, better understanding, and also work with partners that can deconstruct the complex. In the same way that if you had a legal issue, you'd go to a lawyer and you'd more likely trust a lawyer that can explain it to you in plain English. You don't want them citing cases and precedents from 50 years ago that you don't really understand. You want to feel confident in the relationship that you're building with somebody, and that confidence comes from them explaining it to you in plain English. And I think that's what we should be doing better as tech vendors as well. Another issue that I think we have in the industry certainly anybody as old as me has grown up selling print advertising, display advertising in the early days before programmatic, now find ourselves in a world where predominantly it's about ad operations, it's about ad servers, it's about understanding how campaigns are trafficked, it's about understanding how um, privacy is extracted in a compliant way. And a lot of those a lot of those areas can be complex for a salesperson that hasn't worked in ad ops before, that doesn't come from an engineering or product background. So sometimes I think people say, oh, this industry is really complex, it's really complicated. That's because increasingly the dynamics of advertising are changing. Um, you know, and the people that weren't necessarily in those boardrooms 15 years ago that were trafficking the ads and they were the ad ops specialists, now in many of the leading technology companies, they have a seat at the ball table. You know, they are the CEOs. And that's because the dynamic of the industry is changing and it's now increasingly underpinned by that technology and data that I was referencing earlier. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing you say that because me and Amina are sat here and I'd love to get her take on this because 
I'm, I'm a sales guy, really, right? Yeah. That's and, like same as me. I, <laughs> I, 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 you know, for me, I, it's, it's my one Achilles heel, and it terrifies me, the fact that I don't truly understand the industry that I work in. You know, mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time speaking on panels, a lot of time speaking to broadcasters, publishers, tech vendors. And the fact that, you know, I've never worked in an ad ops role before, and I don't know how to code... I constantly feel exposed. Hence the reason I try to read as much as I can, absorb as much as I can and learn about the industry because I feel that's what keeps me relevant. That's what enables me to go and have an articulate conversation because I know about the macro trends that shape the industry. But, you know, if you said, Paul, troubleshoot that line item, I wouldn't know where to start. Yeah, it's such an interesting point, the macro and micro view. I definitely, you know, I started as a technical person in the industry not an, not as an adults person, but just you know as a yep. consultant, um, and still to this day, if I don't truly understand how to figure out what the issue to a problem is, I feel like I don't understand it, and it's Correct. sort of, you know, as a junior person coming in, you want to be that you know micro person who can fix smaller problems, but in reality, to further yourself in the, in the industry, you need to be able to sort of look at things at a more macro level. I'd love to hear a bit more about your career and how you've sort of evolved in the industry. And you talked about some of the learning that you've been undertaking. Could you talk through that a bit more? Yeah. So um, I've been in ad sales in some type of capacity for the last 20 years. Um, I started out in B2B magazines. Mm -hmm. Um, From B2B magazines, I went to consumer magazines, titles like Classic Tractor, which I still look back on fondly. (laughs) I still um, move it to the tier position in the the newsstand when I go into a WH Smith's. (laughs) Um, from magazines, I went into regional press. Um, from there, I was lucky enough to get a position at the Daily Telegraph, working on their display team. And that was my real kind of, um, I guess, entry into dealing with tier one advertising agencies, you know, competing with the Times, competing with the Mail and all of the premium quality titles, trying to explain why the FT um, or British Airways should be advertising in the Telegraph. Um, and then from national press, I went into, I guess, what was... An ad network back then, um, Unanimous. So I guess Unanimous was where it all kind of took off from me from a programmatic perspective. I was working with a chap called Alex Rahman, who was their CFO at the time. And I think this was back in 2009 or, or 2010. He said, Paul, we're going to go and launch a mobile DSP. I was like, what the hell's a mobile DSP? <laughs> ne- never heard of it. I think AppNexus was still super early at that point in time. So they were educating the market on the benefits of display-based automated trading. But nobody was really applying that logic to mobile back then. It was very much ad networks. It was mediation layers. So, um, you know, two or three of us went off. We got a little... um, office, this is before we worked, just off Charlotte Street, um, raised raised a bunch of capital and we launched what was then one of the first mobile DSPs globally called StrikeAd. Um, that subsequently went on to be acquired by Seismic. And then post that, I've held a number of different roles on both the buy and sell side in the programmatic ecosystem. Um, the last couple of years at Publica, very, very fortunate to join that team. Um, very, very smart bunch. It's interesting, because I think like, and that, the first question you ask, getting us back on the kind of jargon Armageddon piece, is around what the hell is a mobile DSP, right? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, coming from a, a similar similar space, right? So I worked for a big kind of retail data media company and things were sold predominantly on like a tenancy basis, a lot more around context yeah. and, that, and that kind of stuff. Coming into my first role within programmatic, it was like SSP, DSP, exchange, SDK when it came to mobile. Yeah. All these kind of things were just thrown at me from day one. <laughs> and I was like sitting there and I was, it can get really overwhelming, yeah. right? And I think there's, um, I think in our, our industry, we've got, we've got to be better and more comfortable at asking questions when we don't know. Because to yeah. your point about feeling exposed, right, it's often meetings will have 
a technical person and a more commercial person and you're kind of default to one or the other based on the question but for me to do my job effectively i need at least a a good level of understanding so for me i'm at a point now where i just ask the question if i don't know something and I don't know an acronym, I'll just be like, sorry, I don't know that. And yeah. the, the chances are there's more people in the room that don't know it too. Correct. But it takes a level of confidence, though, right? You have to feel confident in yourself to raise your hand and say, look, can you just take a step back? I don't really understand what that means. Yeah. I find I do it all the time with my product and engineering team because I'll be in meetings where they're talking about the nuances of how something is coded and built. And I'll say, look, if I have to articulate this publicly or build a strategy around this or communicate the value prop to a publisher or a broadcaster or a TV manufacturer, I really need to understand how it improves their yield, how it improves their viewer stream and experience, how it's privacy compliant. So I think you're absolutely right. You should always raise your raise your hand. You should never be afraid to do so. A lot of what we're building in the advertising industry today, there is no real precedent for it. You know, we're talking about new ways of engaging audiences. We're talking about new ways in which audiences are consuming content. Technology is being developed, you know, every day. So to raise your hand and say, look, I'm not entirely sure how that works. No one is ever going to say that's a stupid question. Yes. Yeah, I think that's such a great point around asking questions. And I think it speaks to the breadth, which is kind of what you've alluded to, the breadth of the industry. When, you know, we're technology, we're data, we're multiple, multiple things, and no one person can know everything. Yeah. Um, kind of leads me to, to my next point. Um, how do you ask good questions? Is there a skill to it? I think, you know, thinking back to when I first started, yeah. do you have any tips for that? No, I would just say, you know... Well, Again, if you don't understand something, um, it's not because you're being stupid. Chances are it's probably not being explained properly. Again, it goes back to what we were discussing. We deal, you know, fundamentally it's the brands that power our industry. Um, Most CMOs are not technology experts. As we discussed earlier, more and more CMOs are now coming from operations and technology backgrounds. But fundamentally, there is still an entire ecosystem that doesn't understand the tech that we build in the ad tech ecosystem and we talk about on panels that are full of other ad tech people watching those sessions. Um, So there is no way to construct a good question. It's do you understand what the person is trying to articulate? If you don't, just try and, you know, have the confidence or or back yourself to ask because chances are the people you're sat next to don't really understand what the person's explaining either. To, To your point, right? It's... There, there, there are, there are, there, there's a whole multitude of salespeople now and commercial people in our industry that haven't come from an engineering product or ad ops backgrounds. So we're all trying to educate each other. This is one of the main reasons I, I post a lot of those explainers on LinkedIn. People always say to me, Paul, why are you posting so much flannel on LinkedIn? <laughs> I say, well, I, I'm a salesperson and the way that I understand something is by writing about it because it makes me go away and research something. And think about understand it. it. I'm not an academic. You know, I never went to university or anything like this. So this is all driven via my passion to try and better build my knowledge base so I can remain relevant in the industry. So yeah. I'll go away and say, right, I don't truly understand how CTV ad serving works before I joined Publica. And I wrote a big piece about the CTV ecosystem, and that's how I got my job there. Then the co-founder and CEO reached out to me and said, Paul, this is, this is fantastic. You know, we want somebody that can really deconstruct the complex and, and convey it in a way that you've done. Yeah. So that, that's how I kind of figure out what I need to be better understanding. It's saying, can I write about it? If I can't, I don't really understand it. And that's yeah. when I, I push myself to ask more questions. That's such but, a great tip. Yeah. And it, the industry itself is a great leveler, right? Because to your point, it is fairly new still and it's changing a lot. I remember first coming to programmatic. Yes, it's overwhelming, but it's a leveler in the sense that when I first joined, I joined an SSP. 
I joined at the back end of the waterfall system, yep. moving into proprietary header bidding tags, which quickly moved into pre-bid tags in the year and a half right, yep. that I was there. So, so actually, what people knew five years ago had quickly become irrelevant anyway. Yeah. So everyone in the business was learning about the, the new bit. So to your point, taking the time to research, understand, deconstruct, simplify yeah. in a way that you understand is so important because our industry can just, you know, if you are willing to take that time, yeah. you can really shoot yourself up in terms of knowledge. and 100%. And I, and I find, right, I, I've been in this space like you guys have now for a long time and you speak to some commercial people and it amazes me that some people still don't even read the trade press. And I'll say, oh, did you see that piece the other day on Exchange or at Exchange or Digiday or Video Ad Week? And no, 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 I haven't seen that, Paul. Can you send me the link? <laughs> right, and this is why you think it's complex, because you have to invest the time to understand all the macro trends. And if you can understand above and beyond just the solution you're selling, that positions you really well. Because the more you know, the more the agency is going to reach out to you to come in and educate them, run those lunch and learn sessions, jump on a call with their client to explain what header bidding is, what are the pros and cons versus a, an open source wrapper versus a proprietary wrapper. And again, a lot of that information is out there if you just take the time to educate yourself and invest in your own career. You know, there's no shortfall of white papers being released by the tech companies today that really explain and deconstruct how they're built. And again, that's where I'm now trying to invest my time so I can understand better that product and ad ops component that I said earlier that I'm still missing. Mm-hmm. You've been in the industry for, for a little while, like you said, you've seen it tran- transition to yep. where it is today. What have, what have been your kind of favorite changes or the, the kind of biggest changes that you've, you've kind of been happy to see over the, the kind of course of, of, your, of your career? Um, probably be a little bit controversial to say, but I think the tightening of um, identity and privacy, I know it's caused major headwinds for many of the ad tech companies short term, but long term, I think it's going to be you know, a fantastic tailwind to really transform the industry that we've built and we are building. So th- that for me has probably been one of the, the most exciting changes I've lived through. Again, pretty scary when you know it was all evolving. Nobody really knew how it was going to impact the programmatic ecosystem, what it meant for many businesses. Lots of people worried about you know employment. Does that mean that my company will no longer be able to operate in Europe, et cetera, et cetera. But I think in Europe and in the US with GDPR and CCPA, I think it's driven us to transform the industry that we we are building for the better, and I think it's delivering a better um, user experience for that and consumer that we were just dis- discussing. So that, that for me has been one of the most positive, but equally one of the most disruptive changes that I've lived through in my kind of career so far in our tech. We've talked about this before, myself and Karen, and I couldn't agree more. I think it's such an inflection point in the industry, which we haven't seen for many, many years. And um, it's exciting to sort of be in the middle of it and yep. help shape it, especially because consumers are so aware of what's of going on with data. Yeah. Um, so you talked about a lot of the reading and the research that yep. you're doing. Um, are there people that have really helped you along the process, people that have really taught you a lot? And how has that networking piece of things I helped? Think, I think the networking thing is really, really important in our industry. Um, I hang out a lot of, you know, I spend a lot of time with our competitors. Well, obviously, we're not exposing anything confidential, but we're talking about how we can grow the market collectively. Um, the IEB does a great job in all of their their workshop sessions that they run at the moment to try and collectively educate the ecosystem. So so for me, it's about just surrounding yourself with smart people, um, be it from a competitor, um, partners, the agencies, the brands, because what I found is that everybody is trying to upskill at the same time. Everybody is trying to learn. You know, Unless you're one of the engineers or the product people that are actually building the, the solution, everybody is in the same boat. So when you go into the agencies today and you talk about the CTV ecosystem in Europe, 
people aren't experts yet. You know, they're really looking for guidance and they want somebody to come in and explain to them and their clients, how does AVOD differ from BVOD? What does fast mean? What does linear delivery and <laughs> CTV mean? And how, how does CMPs work on, on, you know, televisions? And these are all really good questions. And the more you know, the more likely you are to be called in by one of your, your big customers to go and educate them. And, you know, and lo and behold, that then turns into a commercial relationship because yeah. you're perceived to be the smartest in the market. It's so, super important. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, the other thing is, is you've talked around kind of networking within the, within the industry, which is super important. How important is networking outside of the industry? Because you talked around like marketers, right? Who are getting more involved in the tech decision now. Yeah. They don't come from this world. Yeah. In the same way that we use the dinner party game, yeah. right? How important is it to get a view from the consumer and that macro level mm -hmm. as well as the the kind of internal nuances and complexity that's driven there? Yeah. Uh, good question. I don't know the answer to that in all honesty. I think the challenge we have as an industry is that you can go to these big events and, you know, everyone plays that game. Can you put your hand up if you're from a tech vendor, from an agency, from a brand? And unfortunately, it's still a lot of tech vendors that attend some of those events. I mean, you know, Exchange Wire, Video Ad Week, they're all doing a great job of now introducing a lot more brands. But several years ago, a lot of those brands weren't always visible within those big events. So it's difficult for us to collectively get that view of how the brands think about what we're, what we're building as an ad tech industry. But more importantly, what do the consumers think? Um, but yeah, I haven't yet found an event where we can go and hear directly from the consumer. I mean, if that exists, that'd be a fantastic... Yeah, it's more around kind of just in your personal life, right? You know, when you do the networking, yeah, yeah. Like, all our friendship groups are from with outside of our industry as well as within it, I guess, because we've been in it for a little <laughs> while and by, by yeah. the very nature it happens. But when you're talking to them as consumers, yeah. you naturally get a bit of like, what do people like, what do they not like? Yeah. And, when, and, you know, like in my role selling to advertisers, that conversation is actually super crucial because yeah. it's around like, well, actually, I don't like this level of targeting or I find this intrusive, yeah. but I actually find this relevant. And I, we, we almost miss that. Because well, we're too worried about the tech. Well, I, I found the other day I was in the uh, pub with some old school friends, and um, I promise you it wasn't me that initiated the discussion about CTV. But that, <laughs> they they were all there talking about the cost of living and the fact that they had to start dialing down their asphalt subscriptions. You know, energy bills are going up. They're trying to figure out how they can still watch all the content they love, but without paying so much for it. And one of them said, "Well, if you go onto the uh, the app store on your TV," and they said, well, "There's an app store on your TV," and they're like, "Yeah, on mobile." And I sat there silent, just you know, enjoying my pint. And I thought, "This is this is fantastic." Fantastic, but you know, twenty-five minute conversation they were having about the discoverability of ad-supported apps, ad light apps, fast apps, um, and, and that for me was the first time that I'd seen that type of conversation evolve organically about what I spent the last two years on panels discussing and writing about in the trade press. So, to your point, hearing it directly from the consumer was fantastic. This has been such a great episode so far, but we cannot close it without playing our favourite game, which is our version of AdTech Room 101, yep. which I first launched at, I think it was the <laughs> an, an event that we had in, in Brighton, yep. where people from in the industry can consign one thing they don't like about the industry to yep. Room 101 and bin it forever. So you have 60 seconds to explain what it is you want to put in Room 101 yep. uh, and, and why it's going there. I think we need to make the industry more open. Um, when I joined the advertising industry 20 years ago, I was raised by a single mum on a council estate, and I was very, very lucky to get into what was in an unknown world to me. I fear that today it would be very difficult for me to be afforded the same opportunities and to get into our industry with the background that I have. So I would love to put the kind of old school boys club private education in room 101 and make the industry more open because 
fundamentally, we are in the business of communication and advertising products. And, you know, we advertise to lots of different audience segments. So it should really be more representative of the, the consumer ecosystem that we're trying to engage with. Cool. I want a round of applause for that one. That's that's a good one. I'm sure we'll all agree that that's going into room 101. Uh, So advice, advice I'd give to other people looking to enter the industry. Yeah, I guess on the back of your uh, your room 101. So I would, it's a difficult one, right? I think, again, when I joined years ago, you could really excel in this industry if, if you was affable, if you could build a relationship. It was very much around, you know, are you confident? Can you lead a presentation? Can you take a team of planners out for lunch? Can you build a good rapport? Can you go back and engage them and sell some, you know, sell some biz, sell some deals around whatever product you're trying to promote? I think today, again, it's more around the understanding of technology and data. So my advice would be if you wanted to get into the advertising ecosystem today and you have a passion for data and technology, there are no shortage of opportunities. If you think it's going to be the same industry that maybe it was 10 or 15 years ago, I think we're seeing seismic changes. It's not what it used to be. Relationships still underpin the majority of what we do. But again, I think you're going to be much better placed if you understand the nuances of of data, technology, programming, coding, operations, versus, you know, those three or four hour lunches. It's just not that industry anymore. And and there is a bit more support, certainly from when I joined the industry around, like, you know, things like Brickton Finishing School. Yeah. And, and, you know, like things like that have really kind of helped Absolutely, yeah. with that. And I've seen that come through. So more of that would be, yeah. would be brilliant as well. Yeah. And I think most companies these days are open to hiring people without those technical yeah. backgrounds and open to sort of teaching those Correct, things. Yeah. So I think coming in without the fear of like not knowing yeah. is okay as well. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Well, we are fast running out of time. In fact, we run out of time. Is that um, it? Yeah, so that's <laughs> it. It does go fast. Um, but... We just want to say a massive thank you for, for coming on this podcast. Um, it's been brilliant to have you on. The insight, I'm sure, will be super impactful thank for you people for having me. get in the industry and trying to bust the jargon that exists. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Paul spent a lot of time talking about how much time he's invested in himself over the course of the years, learning about the industry and uh, learning new things on his own. I thought that was a really valuable piece for our listeners to take away. What did you think? Yeah, for sure. I think it's like it's good to hear what goes behind it because obviously he's very vocal in the industry and quite an authoritative voice. Um, but there's a lot of learning that goes behind that, a lot of proactive learning outside of his day to day. So for any anyone listening in to to kind of build your career, I think it's a vital part to make sure you have that continuous advancement. You're continually learning, and that and that will be you know it really prove valuable. Absolutely. Moving on to next week, exciting stuff. We are going to be talking about the power of choice in a world where we have unlimited content and unlimited choice. um, What we want to do is ask our guest, what is too much choice? So do you want to tell us who we're speaking to? So we've got Alex Ong, uh, who's brilliant. uh, And she is the Senior Data Manager Advanced Ads at Discovery. uh, And she'll be coming in to talk about exactly that. And don't forget, if you're enjoying the podcast, please like, subscribe and rate to help others find the show. See you next time. Thank you.